Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Great to see you. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, um, I would love to. And if you're here and you're like, he says that every week, it's because I mean it. Um, I really do. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love the chance to. So stick around afterwards. That would be an absolute riot. A couple things that you need to know is number one, September 11, we're going to go to two services, 9 and 11. So you'll be able to split up, but that'll give us a bit more room. And one of the things that that does is that lets you serve one, attend one. So if you've been wanting to serve and you're like, hey, I'd love to serve, but I don't want to miss the message, you'll be able to serve one, attend one. Another thing that that does is growth track. So growth track, maybe you've never heard of this, but we are here as a church to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. You don't just get saved. That's the number one need that everybody has, and you need Jesus. We want to make sure that you do. But after that, you got some stuff to do. We're not just waiting for you to die. And we want to help you know what that is, know what your spiritual giftings are, how to use them to build the church. Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you want to be at the forefront of what God is doing in the world today, then you need to be a part of building the church. This one or a different one. But find one, plug in, use your gifts in that church to build the body of Christ and out. If all you're doing is that church, then you're, you're missing it there too. But we have a, what we do is we do a class, and it's four weeks long, and it happens in the service. So right now there's some people, and they're over there, and they're learning what their spiritual gifts are and a bit about what we believe and some foundational things about what you need to know about God's Word, how to use your gifts to make a difference. So if you haven't done that, one of the things that's going to be really nice about two services is you won't miss the message. You can go to Growth Track and then hang out because guess what? Service will be next. So we'll have a service. That's another one of the great things coming with that. But next week, we're going to have Greg Moltron. He's going to be back. So we're excited to have him. And then the following week, we're going to start a new series called Chasing Giants. And what we're going to do and we're just going to look at what some of the giants of our faith have done in the Bible and in history and look at the result of their faith, the way that li- they lived their lives, and what we can learn from it and apply to our own. And it's going to be really, really fun. I'm excited about that. But today we're going to wrap up upside down. And really, we're looking at what God's Word says to us. In Acts, it says about a group of Christians that showed up at a city. They said, look, Those that have turned the world upside down have now come here. The way that we live as Christians is meant to be so different that people look and they're like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? It's meant to be different. And so we've been looking at a couple of those things. And last week we started talking about finances. And we're really, we're just going to wrap them up this week. And here's what we talked about. And here's the thing. None of these are like, oh my goodness, I never knew that. This is just amazing. You've probably heard these before. Some of these, I would dare say, are common sense, even though common sense doesn't seem to be so common these days. But I would say that many of them are common sense. But so often, we really could just completely alter the course of our life if we just did the simple things we know to do that we don't do like read our Bibles. I mean, mean, just, just some simple things that we know to do. But my hope is this. 
My hope is that you look, that you reflect at what these are, and you say, okay, this is what God's Word says. This is what we need to be doing. That you make some changes. Maybe some of you, you haven't made these big decisions yet, and you're like, oh, this will impact some decisions that I make. Maybe some of you, you're like, well, I already made some of these. But you can alter today and be like, okay, I'm going to line up going forward, God. You're the Lord of my life in this area too, and you begin to honor Him in that. So last week we said this, number one thing, you want a biblical principle, is have a plan. A plan when it comes to your money is a budget. Have one. You don't make too little or too much, you need to have one. Number two is you tithe, you honor God with the first. Number three, we said, was generosity. You need to be generous and you don't have to wait until you make a a bunch to be generous. You're generous with what you have and you watch what God does with it. Number four, we said... You need to save. The Bible says that a fool spends all he gets, that we are meant to save. And number five, we said it was get out of debt. We said debt is not a sin, but over and over we see it in the Bible that we're cautioned. And we need to be careful. We need to prayerfully consider before we take on debt. Don't just do it because this is what everybody else does. And even when it makes sense, it might not make sense. If God is leading you another way, then you're like, you know what? We're not going to do it. We're just not going to do it. And today I want to start with this one, and this is number six, and that is this, plant first. Plant first. Um, I got out of college, got a job, and, and I decided I was, I was going to buy a house. And I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like 20 years old, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy a house. So I like the houses all over the place. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll buy one downtown and I can kind of fix it up. I'm like, I'm kind of handy. I'll figure this out. And then I'm like, no, because that's just horrible. And I don't like that idea. I like that people live downtown because that leaves room for me somewhere else. Like, please, stack up all you want, but that doesn't, uh, that's not for me. But, and, but the idea was going to be that I was going to rent this thing out. And I'm 20 years old, so I'm asking advice for my small group leader. I'm asking advice for my dad. And eventually, I find a house and I buy it. And, and the intent, again, was to flip this thing. And, and so I, I buy the house, I start to fix it up, and then I'm like, you know what? I got a couple guys I could rent this out to. And it'd be kind of nice to just be living on my own. So I end up, I fix up the house, and I move into it. And shortly after I do this, and I spent like three months fixing this thing up, my dad comes up to me, and he's in the house, and I'm showing him around. He's like, yeah, this is pretty good. This is great. This is great. I'm like, what are you not telling me? And he goes, well, this is a bad idea. And I'm like... We, you, this isn't a surprise. This isn't like the motorcycle that I bought that didn't tell you about. That was, that was totally different. I tried, by the way. That's a different story. I'm like, but I included you in this. Like, what do you mean this is, this is foolish? And, and then he quoted to me this verse, Proverbs 24, 27. It says, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. He goes, when you were buying this house as an investment, it was your field. But now that you're buying it to live in, this is foolish and you shouldn't have done it. And I'm like, wish you'd have told me that a little bit sooner. But here's the biblical principle that we are meant to look at. And that is this, that we are to plant our fields before we build our houses. That we, here's what they say, this is the the. Average married couple, newly, newly married couple, wants to live the lifestyle that took their parents 35 years to create in five years, and they borrow to do it. They use seed 
to look like they have a harvest instead of using the seed they have to plant to later receive a harvest. We are meant, the Bible says, the Bible speaks to things that aren't just about going to heaven and praying. We are meant to use our seed so that we can have a harvest. And God says that the harvest He gives us, He intends for us to use to meet our needs and then to be a blessing to others, that we can be a blessing. But we're not to chase after things, but we are to instead to think, to be strategic. I like what it says in Ecclesiastes. It says, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. It's like, hey, go into business. You might get a return. You might not. And then it goes on and it says, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If a farmer plants his seed, he's looking for a return. But don't you know that that same farmer could look at all that seed and go, wait a second, I could plant it? or I could use it now. I could use it. I could eat it. I could sell it. I could sell some of the land that I don't need to plant in because I'm not planting. And what's going to happen? Who's going to have the, the, the more, more followers on Instagram? The farmer that's out there working or the one with the flashy, I just went ahead and spent all of my seed looking like I had a harvest? His Instagram's going to look way better. He'll have way more followers than the guy out there working. But guess what? Who, what's going to pay off in the long run? The guy that's like, no, I'm going to plant this. We are to be strategic. And when the Bible speaks to you and I, it says plant your field first and then build your house. And one of the things that that does is that allows you and I that when God leads us to give, when God leads us to go, when God leads us to send other people, we're free to do it. We're free to do it because we didn't just build a house and now we're like trying to get by. But we're like, no. We live within our means. We're looking to the future. We're planting in different areas. It is okay to go into business, to be in business, to be in multiple businesses. It says plant in seven or eight. I'd rather have Five small streams of income than just one that can get rocked because some policy changes or something changes somewhere. I'd rather have five or six. It's don't put all your eggs in one basket. And be patient. Be patient. If you're, you're young and you have money and you can live at the level that your parents did or, or above, that's great. But if the money isn't there, just be patient. Be patient. Enjoy where you are. Serve God where you are with what you have. You don't need to be anywhere else. You can do it today right where you are. And here's what really kind of brings us to number seven, and that's this one. Work is a good thing. It's a four-letter word, yes, but it's a good one. It is a good one. Work is good. Many people in our society are working towards not working. Like, that's their goal. Like, one day I'm not going to work. That, that's not how you and I look at it. We look at it a little bit different as believers. In Genesis 2, we find the account of God creates the, the entire world. And he creates Adam, the first man, and at this point, the only person on the planet. 
And this is what it says God does with Adam. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work. Four-letter word, there it is. God's like, you're here, congratulations, work. Work isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And some of you are like, I don't know where he's going with this. I think I've got a verse that says otherwise. Hold on a minute. He says, look, his job is to work and care for the garden. Before Adam got Eve, he got a job. That just made a little bit of sense to some of you. There's a reason that they're called females. There's a fee for having one. Just so you know. Just so you know. We are meant to work. As believers, we're not running away from work, but we love work. We're meant to work. You were created to work. My goal is to not not work. What do I want to do? I want to sit around and do nothing. No, absolutely not. Let me give you three ways that you can love your work. And if you love your work, you won't want to stop doing it. You won't want to stop doing it. Um, my dad's a pastor, and people will, will ask him sometimes because many of his boys, like I'm one of them, um, that are, are in the ministry and pastors, and they're like, are you, are you, so they'll ask my dad, like, are you going to retire? Are you going to do that? And, and my little brother's at his church, like, are you going to, are you going to, is, is Daniel, is he the one that's going to do this? Like, are you going to retire? And my dad's like, <laughs> why would I retire? I love what I do. He's like, I preach, why would I ever retire? He's like, that, that doesn't even make sense. Show me retirement in the Bible. Like, like, he's like, it's not in there. He's like, it's, it's, why, why, why would I do that? Because you love what you do. So number one, if you want to love what you do, three ways to love your work is this. And number one, this is probably the most obvious, is love what you do. Like, you're like, I get to do what I love, and I love what I do. It's just, it, it, it's just fun. Like, for me, I'm a pastor. I love this. I know guys that make their, their living fishing. Good on you for doing it, right? Like, if you can take the thing you love and do it. Take the thing you love and turn it into an income and allow it to allow you to live and give and serve. That's awesome. I think most of us are like, well, duh. If I loved what I did, that would be great. But it really is, it is a choice. To many extent, it is a choice where we choose to love what it is that we do. And I remember... Many, many years ago, I was working as a pastor, and God just really put it in my heart that he had something different for me, and I'm like, babe, and she's like, yep, I know this isn't it, and we're, we're going to be doing something different. So I went to my boss, and I was like, hey, um, I don't know what, but God's leading us a different direction, and, and he just said, okay, well, when you figure it out, let us know, but we love what you're doing, so keep doing it until you figure that out. I'm like, okay, and then an opportunity came to, to leave the job that I was at for like the, the had been there for like 15 years, and to go serve at another church. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So, so we left there, and we went to this other church, and we're, we were serving there for a few weeks, and then my brother-in-law broke both of his ankles. And he was a pastor in Grand Haven, and he was, uh, he was dirt biking, and he broke both of his ankles. And he's like, it was a small church, and he's like, I'm going to be out for months. Will you come help us? said, yeah. So we went over there, and we prayed about it, and we're like, yep, and, and, and he needs help, and we can meet the needs, so let's go over there. So, so we went over there and helped him. We were there for like a year. And through all of that, I'm still just like, God, I don't know where you're leading me. 
And, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know where this is, but we know it's not here. And so we told him, like, we're, we're not going to be doing this. And so I'm like, but I don't know what to do, but I like, I like working with my hands. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to build stuff. Carpenter. I'm like, Jesus did it. I'll do it. It'll be great, right? Like, we'll, we'll just do this. So I'd been doing that for a while. And so I did. So I, I started doing that. I started doing carpentry and building furniture and selling it and small repairs and houses and things and stuff like that. And, and, and God definitely blessed it. Um, I was making more money than I had ever made by, by, by far. Unfortunately, that's often the case in, in ministry. But I was making way more money. I was like, hey, this, is, this is great. And I remember I woke up after I'd been doing that about eight, eight, nine months, and it was working great, and jobs were lining up, and big ones, and I could look, and I could choose the ones that I wanted. That's way better than just taking all of them. And you're like, yep, and I can, I can do that, and it's looking great. But I remember I woke up, and I leaned over to Becca, and I was like, um, I, don't, I don't want to go to work today. And that's never happened to me before. I'm like, I like the result of going to work, and work was the garage. Like, I literally had to just walk outside into the garage, right? You guys are like, oh, poor you, poor you. I'm like, but this, this isn't it. I'm like, I miss, and I'm like, I really feel this isn't what God has for us. I'm like, I miss getting to minister and help people. And she's like, well, now you know. And I'm like, now I know what. She goes, well, now you know that's what we're going to do, and we'll go do it. And that's when we really began to seek God in a different way and be like, okay, God, what is this supposed to look like? And it really narrowed down what it was that we felt, well, this is where God's calling us to go and calling us to do, that ultimately led us to starting Life West Church. It was a, I love what I'm doing, but this isn't where you're calling me to be. And I loved what I got to do, but God really stirred on me, this isn't it. But that's also the second way that we love our job is we decide that we love the result. Maybe you're not doing your dream job, but you can love your work because you love what it gets you. You love that as a result, you can pay bills. You love that as a result, you can take care of your family. You can invest in the kingdom of God. You can give to the causes that are close to your heart. You can be a blessing to those that are around you. As a result, you can still love your work even though you don't love the actual work itself. You can choose to love it. You can choose to love it, to love the result of it. And then the last way that we love our work, three ways that we can choose to love it, is this. Love who you do it for. And I don't mean your boss. Anybody ever had a bad boss? Two, you're like, wait, I was like, I've worked for some real characters. I've worked for some real, real characters. One guy in particular, his name is Hans, and if he's listening, he knows. I told him, okay? Like, this is no surprise. But he was crazy. I called him Crazy Hans. He was crazy. He was OCD to the absolute max. He was extremely OCD. You put something on his desk, and he's like, to the right, label up, facing the door, perfect. Flip it over. Yep, I like that way better. I mean, he, he was crazy. Pencils on his, they were, they're in the wrong order. And he's like, we got to fix that. And I worked for him uh, when I was at a hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I worked for, uh, for him and ran the AV for this, this hotel. And if we had to put, one of the things that we would do is we would put um, 
flip charts and markers for, for screens and things out. And if I ever did, they had to be in a specific order. Red, green, blue, R, G, B. And if they were anything else, they were wrong. Okay, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was very interesting to work with, but I just, I, I had fun with him, and I teased the living daylights out of him, and he let me, and it worked great. We had a great relationship, but he was not fun to work for, because man, you just always did it wrong, but we can love who we do it for, and Colossians 3.23 tells us who we're working for. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Even if your boss isn't a Christian, even if your boss is, is, is horrible, you and I, we're working for the Lord. And we can love who we work for because we're working as unto the Lord. We make that choice. And here's the deal. I hope that your boss knows that you're a Christian. I hope it shows in the way that you work, and as a result, they're like, where can I find more like you? Where can I find more like you? That same hotel that I was, that I was working at, I worked at that when I was at Bible school. And my boss came up to me one day, and he's like, now you go to, you go to Rhema, that Bible school, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, are there any more like you there? Because we could use some more. And I was like, awesome. Like, Yes. One of the things that they literally told us there in orientation, they were like, hey, as you guys are all out this is at, at the, the Bible college I was at, they're like, the orientation that I did go to, but anyways, they were like, hey, um, as you guys are out in the workforce and you're out there, they're like, people are going to know that you are at Rama, that you are a Bible school student, and they're like, you are going to be a billboard for the church, for the school, and for the kingdom of God. And I got that little reminder before I went to that job, and it was fresh in my mind when my boss came to me and said, is there anybody else there that we could hire? Shortly afterwards, one of the guys, I told you I did AV, but also what I would do is anytime that we weren't doing anything, I'd go help flip rooms and things like that because they didn't always need video projectors and sound systems. So, and I was on the clock, so I'd go in there and I'd help them do that. And one of the guys that ran, one of the teams came up to me and he goes, um, could you not work so hard or fast? And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, you make everybody else look bad when you join our, when you jump in. He's like, you do more than my team does and that doesn't work. You got to stop doing that. <laughs> and I'm like, no one's ever told me that. Like, what's wrong? I didn't know how to process that whole thing. I was like, what in the world? This doesn't make sense to me. And he looked at me, he goes, you northerners, you just work so hard. And I'm like, oh, is that, is that, is that what this is? is what, what is going on here? People should notice that we work instead of the opposite. I had a friend who was upset that he got fired from his job. And I was like, Tommy, what's going on? And he's like, um, I got fired for reading, the, reading my Bible at work. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, so he's like, every now and then, I would just, like, if, if I really just felt I needed to read the Bible, I would leave my spot working, and I would go, and I would sit down and read. And, and the first time his boss found him, he's like, hey, you can't do that. And the second time he found him doing that when he was supposed to be working, he got fired. And I was like, 
yeah, you got fired. You should. And you make all of us look bad. You got to go apologize to this guy. I'm like, that's ridiculous. And he goes, well, the business owner was a Christian, so I thought he'd understand. And I'm like, he understands that he gave you, you gave him your word that you would work. Not that you'd sit around not working, reading the Bible, but you were like, hey, from nine to five, I'll work for you. That's when you work. You read the Bible on break. Or you wake up early to read the Bible. You want to put, he's like, I got to put God first. I'm like, then wake up early and put him first. You're not putting him first by neglecting what you were doing. You're making all of us Christians look bad because you can't work because you need to read the Bible. Wake up early and do it. You don't do it on the job. We're not avoiding work. We like work. We work is unto the Lord. I hope your, your bosses know and that as a result that you can choose to love it no matter what it is, and serve God right where you are. Serve him where you are. And here's the deal. When you do, seldom do you stay there. When we're serving God and we're working as unto the Lord and not for man, we rarely stay where we are. We end up getting promoted. But it's so often we, we want to do it backwards, which is I'll work hard and I'll give it my best when I get the job that I wish I had instead of I'll work hard and give my best where I am because this is what I've got. We want to wait to give our best until later, but the truth is if we don't learn to do it now, you won't do it later. There's no f- switch that gets flipped when you're doing your dream job that suddenly makes it easy to be great and do a good job and no, 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 that you couldn't have flipped here. It doesn't automatically happen. You have to choose to flip the switch. I'm like, I'm going to give it my best, and I'm going to choose to love what it is that I'm doing. Seek God where you're at, and yeah, maybe he'll move you into a different spot and direction, but seek God where you're at, but we do not avoid work, and because here's the deal, your job and your spiritual life, they're not separate. They're not separate. Well, I do my spiritual things and I do my job. No. And you're like, well, you're a pastor, so for you, they're the same thing. No, it's the same thing for you as well. I like what A.W. Tozer said. He said this. He said, the layman, the person who's not working in ministry, need never think of his humbler task as being inferior to that of somebody in the ministry. And he's talking specifically about the spiritual impact that it has. He says, let every man abide or stay in the calling where he is called. And his work will be as sacred as the work of ministry. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is secular or sacred. It is why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify to the Lord in his heart what he does, and he can therefore do no common act. That you're like, God, I'm doing it for you. I'm digging this ditch for you. I'm stocking this shelf for you. I'm cleaning this toilet for you. I'm connecting this cord for you. I'm building this building for you. I'm knocking that building down for you. Whatever it is, we do it as unto the Lord. And when we do that, yes, very often we do end up getting promoted. But no matter what it is you're doing, choose. We get to choose to love work. And our work is to build the kingdom of God. The number one thing that we're doing is we're building the kingdom of God, and we use different avenues to do it. Our families, we're raising them to be a part of the kingdom of God. Our jobs help fund it. They help make it happen. But they're not the goal. They're not what we are chasing after. Money is not 
the goal. Number nine is this one. Don't let money be the goal. Don't let it be the goal. 1 Timothy 6, 9 says, but people who long to get rich fall into many temptations and are trapped. We are to serve God where we are with what we have. And like I said, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much. You will find yourself getting promoted. But never let money suddenly become the goal. Don't let it be the goal. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this world when we came in, and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothes, let us be content. All this talk of money, understand this, it is not to be the goal. We build the kingdom of God with what we have, where we are, wherever we are. Serve God with what you have. Serve Him with your position, your possessions, and your passion, whatever it is. Serve Him with all three. Remember that whatever you do with little, you will do with much. That's Luke 16, 10. And never underestimate what you can do little by little. In a world where three seconds is too long, like you ever go to download something and just hesitate and you're like, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, three seconds and you're like, seriously, come on. This is so annoying. Somebody says, I can have your food for you in 30 seconds. You're like, oh, but I want it now. Like, really? How long do I? Everything is so fast. So much can happen so very fast. We often do this, is we overestimate what we can do in the short term, and we underestimate what we can do in the long term. As you're building the kingdom of God, as you're looking at what you're doing, take a step today. That's all you have to do. You don't have to know everything, but take a step. Maybe it's choosing to love your job. Maybe it's dedicating that, that job to God because you're like, God, my boss and my job, what I do, I, that's not, that's, I don't like it. It doesn't bring me fulfillment, but God, I choose to do it all for you. And I thank you for the opportunity that I have to work to provide for my family, to build your kingdom, and to be a blessing to those that are around me. Maybe you need to dedicate it, but you take a step and you watch what God can do. You just take a step. You want to know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You'll eat the whole thing. One bite at a time. Just take a step following God and seeing what it is that he has for you. But remember this. The greatest joy that you'll experience in life is not a paycheck. It's not the selling of your business. It's not zeros after that number in your bank account. It's a difference that you're going to make in people's lives. There's no greater joy than that. No amount of money can get a soul in or out of heaven. No amount of money can take away the pain of watching somebody walk away from God, making bad decisions, and you're like, parents, just like, I want to make it for you, but I can't. Invest in the kingdom of God. Invest in your family. Don't chase after money. It is a tool. Use it, but realize it is simply a tool. I like what Luke 12, 15 says. 
Then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Serve him with your position wherever you find yourself. Serve him with your passions. Serve him wherever you find yourself. You want to experience some joy? Serve the people that are around you. Serve him at your workplace. Join the dream team. If you're not on the dream team yet, join the dream team. Because here's what you're going to see. You're going to see some people having fun that are showing up early, setting things up, tearing things down, and having fun doing it. And my goal isn't to get you on the dream team. It's not the end goal. It's part of the goal. Because I think every one of you have a gift and talent, and we need it. And some of you, you're like, well, this church isn't everything it's supposed to be. It, that's right, it's not, because we need you to come and fill the holes that we have. Amen. We need your gifts, we need your talents, we need to do more, but we need you to help do it. But my goal, the end goal is not that you join the dream team at Life West. But here's what's going to happen if you do. It's going to whet your appetite. And you're going to be like, man, I can't just serve on Sundays. I got to find a way to build the kingdom another way. I, I got, that was so much fun. I can't believe we can have that much fun working. I can't believe I can have that much fun taking care of some kids. I can't believe I can have that much fun being goofy and teaching biblical principles. I can't believe, it's going to whet your appetite and you're going to be like, you know what? I got to join a small group and we're going to, you know what we're going to do is we're going to serve the, our community or we're going we're gonna to go downtown to the Dream Center and we're going to serve down there. We're going to raise some money and we're going to do pop cans. Here's what we're gonna, we're gonna, it's going to whet your appetite and you're like, I need more. I want to serve. I, I, I can do more. I can do some more. What is it that I can do? What you're given what each of us are given, it's not just for us. Your energy, your passions, God gave those to you. He gave those to you. And not because he's like, well, this is, they're just going to struggle with this, but there's a purpose for it. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I think so many people think that the spiritual life and then everything else they have to do are these separate worlds and they're not meant to be. We're meant to serve God everywhere that we are. The platform that you have, so many times when I hear people say, well, I, would, I, just, I just wish I was in full-time ministry and wouldn't that be great? I'd love to be a work around Christians. And I'm like, you know what? It, you've, got, you've got the opportunities when you don't work around Christians. I have to go out of my way to find non-Christians. I do. And I got to go find them. It's one of the reasons I love mountain biking and rock climbing is I get around some people and usually it's not too hard to tell because they're falling and doing this and that and you're like, okay. And I get the opportunity to be a light. But where you are, let me just tell you, it's your mission field. Wherever you find yourself, God wants to use you right where you are. And sure, he probably won't leave you there, but you watch what happens when you love, you live, and you serve right where you are. And here's what it takes. It's just giving him what you've got and being like, God, I give it to you. The job, I give it to you. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to give it all to you. And you watch what he does with it as you get opportunities to be a blessing to those that are around you, to pray for those that are around you. John Maxwell said something. I've heard it over and over and over. And I was like, man, I want to use that. 
He said this. I had opportunity and I was like, it works. So I want to give it to you guys. I stole it from John Maxwell, just so you know. He says one of the ways that he likes to share his faith with people is when they're going through something, is he looks at him, he says, man, I wish you had my peace. And they're all like, well, what? But that's his line. He says, I wish you had my peace. And I say, what do you mean? What are your peace? He says, well, I'm a Christian. Can I tell you where my peace comes from? He says, nine out of ten times, they all say yes. It wasn't long ago that somebody said something around me, and I was like, man, what do I say? I was like, ooh. I was like, hey, yeah, I wish you had my peace. Let me just say, it it can just be a way to open the door. At your work, maybe on the maybe just where you go and play, whether it's at the lake or the beach or on the water. I don't know, it's still summer to me, but wherever that is. But that you keep keep that. And remember, everything that we do with it hardly is under the Lord. Work isn't a bad thing. We're not trying to avoid it. We're trying to build the kingdom of God, and we use any and every means that we can to do it. Your job, it might not be fun, but you can love the result that you get from it, which is the ability to take care of your family, to meet needs, to be a blessing to those that are around you, to fund the ministries and the passions that God has put on your heart. But the things that God's put in you, he put them in for a reason. Because the world needs who God created you to be. And we look at the world today and you might think, man, it's going crazy. When? What do we need? We need you. The world needs you. It needs your gifts. It needs your passions. It needs your voice. And maybe it starts with, I wish you had my peace. As you talk to those that are in your circle, that are around you, you have doors that nobody else has. My prayer for you is that you would get to lead someone to God this year that you would personally get to lead someone to God. I pray that you have some awkward conversations that lead people to Jesus. I pray that you have some conversations that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but you're like, man, I gotta do something. I pray that there'd be a little bit of fire, something inside you that's like, ah, somebody needs to do something, but could it be me? You have gifts, you have talents. God wants them. As we close the service, I want to ask, do you know where you stand with God? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with him? Because the number one need that people has is Jesus. After that, it's, then let's know what your gifts and talents are and let's use them to build the kingdom of God. But the number one need that you have is Jesus. If you're here and you don't know, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. I'd love the honor of praying with you. We can pray. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where that is. I'd love the honor of praying with you. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here and say, I don't know, but I'd like to. I'd love the honor of praying with you. If 
that's you at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it high. Say, that's me. Oh, no, beyond a shadow of a doubt where I stand with God, that I'm forgiven on my way to heaven. And I want to begin to use my gifts and talents to build the kingdom of God, to make a difference in this world. Lift it up high. All right. Let's pray with those that lifted their hands. Everyone, if you'd list, repeat this after me out loud. Say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'll serve you. Thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so I could be free. With all that I am, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.